Radio TRO is in search of sponsors. Sponsors get a detailed product mention at the beginning of every episode in our catalog. You can submit your own advertisement or we can read one for you. Visit email.tro.bike and contact us directly to learn more. Hey folks, Maggie Dean here, just reaching out to tell you about a couple of great tours we have coming up. One is for the newbies and the other for the seasoned curve carvers. If you're new to motorcycle touring, check out the LMCT, Lake Michigan Circle Tour, which takes place from Sunday, July 14th to Saturday, July 20th. It's a beginner-friendly scenic bike tour around Lake Michigan with all the planning and organizing done for you. It's ideal for couples, three-wheel riders, and small groups. It offers a balanced mix of fun curves, beautiful scenery, and rest stops. If you've always wanted to go on a small group motorcycle tour but have yet to do so, this tour is for you. And for all you rabid twisty travelers, check out TRO's Wisco Disco Tour. Based in Wisconsin, this tour is perfect for experienced riders visiting as much of the Driftless area as possible over three days. Our well-vetted routes are pre-planned, so just take the time off and join us. It's a great opportunity to ride in an intimate setting away from the solo digital world. Tiro's Wisco Disco Tour launches Wednesday, August 7th, and concludes Sunday, August 11th. Again, that's two tours approaching. Visit tiro.bike, mouse over events, and select group tours to learn more. Hello, everybody. This is Travis Burleson. I'm Robin Dean. And this is the RidingObsession.com podcast. Just, I, I do that exact same stuff when I visit the family for Thanksgiving. So this is just <laughs> like getting together with friends. You're trying to sell them plug phones? Trying to sell, me, sell, sell your family plug phones? Hi, everybody. I'm Robin Dean for TheRidingObsession.com. Shall we sit down and eat? Before we do... Have you thought about getting plug phones? So what? how's the face? Oh, uh, you know, um, maybe slowly improving. I, uh, I'm trying to get in to see the neurologist again and check just, just, just to check in. Um, but the hospital that I have my primary care through no longer has neurologists on staff, like they quit or something, or they went to a different hospital. So they have to refer me out to another and it's just a whole, whole thing. So I'm waiting. You're not union. <laughs> You're not a union neuro neurologist. Um, yeah. So other than that, it seems okay. Balance is still kind of just plateaued. And that was this month's episode of the Running Obsession Podcast. <laughs> the, uh, the podcast recording podcast. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, this is our annual fundraiser episode. We want to get some new gear, so send us money. Pod, uh, donations at theritingobsession.com for PayPal. Um, I don't, it's been a long time. We got to do one of these each week. Let's do one this week, next week, and the week after that, and then we'll be caught up. Yes. I'm going to try to get the guys to do a round table in... Um, Arkansas. I'm gonna, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to go to Arkansas. Yeah, I can't believe anyone goes to Arkansas. <laughs> How you been otherwise? Oh, good. Just stress. You know, work's kind of meh. Though, um, I saw a billboard for a company that's moving into town here and they're hiring people. So I might apply for that. It'd be a um, like a systems assembler and uh, maintenance for industrial gearboxes. <laughs> 
<laughs> drops out of the sky. Well, that looks interesting. I'm going to do it. And then you just read up on it and then you go do it. Yeah, because I, like, I can tear an engine apart and put it back together. I'm sure I can assemble mm-hmm. industrial gearboxes, no problem. Um, Remember splitting the engine case for the BMW. Yeah, and so and why not apply for it? I mean, like, they, if, if they're like, sure, but we're going to pay you nothing, I'll be like, okay, thanks, bye. Or they'll say they'll say nothing. I'll keep, it's not like I need a job right now, so um, I just kind of want something different that's a little less stressful, hopefully. Yeah, so you're going, you got uh, life is short syndrome? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I feel you. Well, in like five years, well, I guess not all of that's been working from home, but the last three years working from home, I don't know, I'm starting to lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. No, you hold on to yours better than most. When the, dog, know, I... when, when the dog starts talking back, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> sure, Travis, I'll do your taxes. Be right back. But, uh, yeah, other than that, the bike, I took the bike out today. I rode the, um, the route, the... Uh, Double Helix, Mad- Madison, the Basketball, just out to Dodgeville, and then um, and back. The one of the roads is closed, like closed, closed. Um, on the way back, uh, flooding? No, they're repaving it, like it's just like ripped up. Really? So they're gonna pave, pave? Yeah. Cool. So I like detoured and got turned around, and it's fun. Um, I also got blocked. So you know JG out of Mount Horeb, right? JG. Yeah, the the curvy road that goes by Stewart Lake County Park there out of Mount Horeb. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I was coming, was it? Yeah, it was JG. I was coming by there. And you know, like when you first come out of the park there and you go through a couple of corners and there's a couple of like farms down in the valley there. Yeah, they're sort of offset in between the hills. Yeah. Um. So I come around this corner and there's um this like big harvester machine stopped on one side of the road. And on the other side of the road is a semi-truck stop. And like the harvester thing has like a, a, a you know, loading spout and it's like spewing grain or whatever over into the semi truck. Um and so me- they're doing their they're doing their crop transfer at the end of a curve. Yeah, in the middle of the road next to the barn. Genius. Um yeah. So I stop and I'm like okay. Uh like I thought I I th- I thought about driving between them um in like under the arm that was like spewing grain. Um <laughs> I but, think I know where this is going. Then I thought better of it and then I was like I'm on the I'm on the NC, so I just like drove around the barn, like through his yard. <laughs> Tell me you waved to him. Did you look at him at least smile? Hi. Yeah. Well, so there was like one guy. I mean, the guys in the trucks, I couldn't see them. And then there was another guy, and he was walking when I pulled up, and he just kind of looked at me, and I kind of looked at him. And then he went into his, this other tractor and was sitting there, and I was like, Well, F you then. Yeah. Yeehaw! Yeah. And the bugs were t- like the, you know, those little Asian beetles, the fake ladybugs. The orange ones. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. When I was stopped for that, they were just swarming around the grain. And then just all all throughout the ride, you'd go by a, where they'd harvested a field. And there's like there's like a like a light haze over the road. And then <laughs> <laughs> you just get hammered. You asked me about the trip. The trip was incredible. So for those of you listening, we now offer a group riding tour. Uh, it's not a guided tour so much as uh, your leader is going to be riding this way. And if you want to follow him, you can, but it is a group riding tour uh, that it, we call it the trip sevens tour. And it covers seven States in seven days. It takes nine days total. Cause you got to count for the time that it takes to get to the start point and the time it takes to get home from at the end. But all in all, we do seven days of riding and it's uh, Southern Indiana, uh, all the way across Kentucky, a little bit of Tennessee, uh, the North Carolina Blue Ridge Parkway, then a beautiful 
outstanding section of West Virginia, or Virginia and West Virginia, uh, followed by the triple nickel in Ohio. And I got, man, West Virginia is unbelievable for riding. Trav, it's like I mean the nickel is fun. What a road! Um, some of those uh, the Ohio they got the windy nine there, but West Virginia it was uncomfortably perfect. Every curve was just banked and double lines and great sport bike riders heading your way that would just wave as they went by and everybody was technically proficient. Uh, we did have one bike go down that was a bit of a tail, but we'll talk more about that another time. Uh, it it was a great man. It was absolutely excellent. And so, can I count you in for next year as the sweep? Yeah, we'll we'll make it. At least one of them work. I'll give you dates. We got to set it up and I got to get people on it. It was great. It was an excellent trip and I look forward to doing it again next year, probably twice. Only thing I was wondering about is whether or not I should head west. In, like I, I should do it counterclockwise so that the sun's not in my face. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I guess unless you're doing it in a day, it doesn't really matter. You'd have to be heading heading west in the morning and east in the evening. The Kentucky section is west to east. So... You would see these incredible roads, and then you would have to wince. Mm. Saw elk. They've been released back into the uh, wild on the Blue Ridge Parkway there. Um, yeah, that was really cool. And then say John Denver knows, knows what he's talking about then. <laughs> Sunshine on my shoulder. No, I was talking about uh, country roads. Country roads. Take me home to the place where I was born. <laughs> the, the, the first first, you know, almost heaven, West Virginia. Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is all there. Almost as old as Robin Dean. <laughs> Younger than the mountains and only half as mean. I got to think backwards about all that's been going on since the last time we did this, though. Because uh, let's see. Okay, I got a flu shot. Because I always feel better during the winter if I get a flu shot. You should do the same. Get your nanobots. <laughs> get your nanobots injected. And now I'm putting uh, braided brake lines on the bandit. Well, I just I just did. I just finished doing it. Yeah, I saw your your Instagram video there of the ratty brake fluid. <laughs> It was nasty, man. Uh, I've never seen black, <laughs> like not even root beer colored, you know? Yeah. It, it tasted like licorice, you know? <laughs> but when you really chug it, you can get the root beer flavor out of it. Don't drink brake fluid. Wasn't the um, the weird Harley purple brake fluid, the uh, weird silicone brake fluid they used for a couple of years? Yeah, uh, further back, uh, new exhaust. The Bandit's got a bunch of upgrades. Yeah, so does got... sound good with that new exhaust on it? The oh Yoshi? my goodness, it's just gnarly. It's so gnarly. And I got a decibel killer so that I can turn it back to city mode. But you pull that thing out, man. It's just ravaging. Just bruh, ah, ah, ah. Sounds great. I love it. Sounds so, even more like a tractor now. So Yeah, it does almost sound like a diesel engine. It sounds straight up diesel. So new exhaust because the other one sheared while I was in Farmington, Missouri. And braided lines because it needed to happen. And then there was one other thing. And I don't quite remember what it was and that's why we have silence removal scripts yes the um yeah the nc is doing good i put the uh the crash bars on it are they light or are they heavy duty uh they're pretty heavy they're like the the gv ones um i guess sw motex says theirs are better but i like the gv ones I like the way they look um and they're cheaper um, I put uh, fork gators on it for no reason. Fork gators. What do those do? The, the accordion things that go over your fork stanchions. Oh yeah, like a dirt bike. That's yeah, keep... so n no it, use at all. Uh, I, I, I don't have to clean the bugs off of the fork stanchions. That works. Can you pull those off and just spray them? Yeah, they're just rubber, so they they just clean off. Nice. You know, the the bugs don't glue onto it like they do to the metal well you do ride some dirt on that thing you came up with that route that's sort of a nice loop outside of madison yeah the gravel gravel roads outside of uh, dodgeville 
You have to go yeah. all the way to Dodgeville to find gravel roads. <laughs> you, you still got to write an article for it. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did take some good video though, and it was uh, it's a good time. I'm thinking tires, the rears going off my Shinko 705 rears square in already. Oh, three four thousand miles on it. Oh, fair enough. Um, which were like an eighty dollar tire. It's pretty good. Heck yeah. Um, so I was debating whether or not to get another another one of those for the rear because I have a front on that's that's fine. Um, or go something different. I was thinking maybe a Continental TK C70. Well, that's a that's a big step up, though. No, it's similar. The seventy, the eighty is like the big block nine knobby kind of thing. I just mean like in terms of the quality. Oh yeah, I mean it's twice so the price. I figure if you were going to do it that way, you could you could also get yourself like two sets of the tires you currently got, or three, and then just keep rotating them out as you as you shred them down. That way, you don't pay the same on the shipping or the whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm just deciding that. Um, too, just the Shinkos are a little, they don't grip super good on wet pavement, especially in the city where the pavement's real slick. Yeah. Um, and so with the fall and then assuming the spring when it's going to be riding, it's going to be cold and, and wet. I maybe want something that's going to be a little bit better for that urban riding when I'm not going to be hitting gravel or anything. Yeah. Like, uh, next week. Yeah. I think I'm going to, I'm going to try to head up there next week. I, I hope to, if I can get, I can't decide if I should do the valves or not. I've got the tank off. I've got all the bearing parts off. I could go for it. It's not a big deal, but it's like, do I, I just want to button it up and ride it. Or do I just want to, do I want to check the valves at this point? I don't see any real hassle. Yeah. The, um, um yeah, I think, I mean, 8,000, I only got about a little less than 4,000 on the bike. So, and it's supposed to be 8,000 for the second service. Nice. Um, so, but I, I'll probably just do it over the winter, change the oil and uh, check the valves. Wow, it's Very cold. cool. Yeah. And still want to maybe do um, uh, cartridge emulators in the fork. This bike's going to be on you for a while, right? I mean, you could go race tech, you could go, um, yeah. you know, you could, you could go high end with it, get like a Penske. And I, I mean, I'm really stoked. That's the other thing I got the Penske, the Penske rear fully adjustable with, uh, so you got the race techs up front. With some 15 weight fork oil, uh, which feels substantially better, and then a Penske rear that is it just outstanding. I've really, really gotten good at tuning suspension now. Did you, did you get it dialed in? Oh, it's it's dialed in, and now it's like I I know I know too much. I can only <laughs> here's the thing, and you've probably observed this as a friend of mine. I can only know two or three things really well at one time. Anytime a fourth element comes into play, I have to completely forget everything I knew about the previous item of interest and then eventually like a year down the line, you'll get a you'll get a message from me saying, "Yeah, man, so I don't remember how motorcycle." And then you'll be like, "Yeah, there's this and that." And it, so yeah, with right now suspension tuning, I I really I'm pretty confident. Now I remember Isn't that word, but I forgot my wife's face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and now i'm looking at the website i don't remember okay so braided lines new exhaust suspension tune up and before that we did a big trip right also did the missouri stuff it's been so long since we did a podcast I, my notes here talk about a track day we did oh i got to ride a track day with the gal that taught me how to ride a motorcycle her name is jenya uh a really incredible russian gal um just a smoking rider too. And she was at Gingerman this year. And it's just like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? Oh, you're fast now too. Go figure. It was pretty 
sick. <laughs> nice. Yeah. There's uh, I haven't. Yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't done too too much this um this year. I'm otherwise. sorry, man. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. The um. But uh, hey, I can fit uh, you know, twelve bottles of beer in the front of the NC. So hell yeah, that bike good, is good purchase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was your best ride of the year? Oh, probably uh, Brown County. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. That was a good time. So we just uh, got to make up for this year next year. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, nothing, uh, no strange illnesses befall. Yes. And now we got to figure out what we're going to do for the winter, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to do the, like I said, do the forks on the NC um, and like valve check and stuff on it, which is, you know, when I did, uh, so I put those crash bars on and I wired in um, the auxiliary relay, the factory auxiliary relay. Mm hmm. Because um, there's a, uh, the NC comes with a, I think, did we talk about this last time? The, the factory? I don't think so. No. So, so there's a factory, you know, heated grips and auxiliary lights option for that bike. Okay, so, yeah. So in the in the fuse box, there's a slot for relay that you just pop in. You put a fuse in to turn the circuit on, and you pop in this Honda relay, and it turns on this part of the wiring harness on a relay that's normally not on. Okay. So I did that, and the, the relay is pretty cheap. It's like 10, 11 bucks. Um, is it like a Honda, is it like rebadged Bosch? Uh, no, I mean, maybe the insides, but it's a weird shape. It's not a regular five pin thing. Um, it's not like the one you can get at AutoZone or whatever. It's it's a weird shape. Specific um, to Honda proprietary. Yeah. <laughs> no turning back now. Um, but yeah, that the other side of that is so it turns on this this pigtail and the wiring harness. And to get like the, the other end of that, whatever you need to like hook up the factory heated grips, like that wire with the connector on it, it's like 150 bucks or something stupid. So I just like, I just cut the wires and spliced in regular connectors so I can wire in whatever I want. So I put in an auxiliary light <laughs> for no reason. Nice. Are you going to, are you going to do uh heated grips on that bike? Cause I know that you were considering heated gear, heated grips. Yeah, I got some heated. I got the Touramaster Synergy 2.0 uh, gloves and vests. Oh, you're set then. Yeah. You could ride deep into November. Yeah, and I got gonna, those. Um, those are just running straight off the battery. I didn't relay them because it's heated gear. It's like it's it. You can't leave it on. No, it's no. like you you're wearing it. <laughs> right, correct. Sorry, my phone just dinged, and I always I always know that something has been answered correctly when it dings. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I got that. I haven't actually used them yet. It hasn't. It's been so warm here, even to the end of October. It's been so warm. I haven't really tested them out. I mean, I hooked them up and made sure that, yep, they get, they get warm, um, but I haven't really ridden with them, so we'll see. Well, it's not that warm. It's been, uh, I've gotten, well, low 50s to mid 60s a couple of days down here. Yeah, I don't need heated gear for that. <laughs> I guess I'm just, yeah, I, you know. I don't need heated gear till it's like in like the, the low 40s. So what you're saying is I'm a big old wimp. Yeah, maybe. Or you <laughs> need to get better long johns. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do not like cold weather, yet I live... In Chicagoland, north of Chicagoland, where my dad grew up in Waukegan area, basically Libertyville. Yeah. The, um, yeah, so we'll see. Um, I put uh, heated grips on the Buell for fun. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Is like, it the overgrips, the ones that you had from the, the big one? No, it's just the, the, the cheap... Um, the cheap cycle gear ones that are like 12 bucks. They just, you know, that go under the grip, the little resistor sticker that, you know, the basic cheap Chinese... Heated grips. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but they work great. They get really hot. Um, and they're like twelve bucks. So who cares? Yeah, it's such a simple platform. But are they? Do they have the ones where they're like they're lifted off of the 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 bars a little bit to create? There's like a because I used to have hot grips where which were sort of intended for like gold wings. They were big. 
They were big and packed a whop of them out of heat. Now these, this is just, it's like a little sticker with like resistor metal in it that you just stick to your handlebar. Uh, on the left handlebar, I wrapped it in electrical tape just kind of insulate the metal a bit so you're not just heating up the bar. Nice. That's, but, yeah, smart. But other than that, um, and it's funny because every time I'm like, man, this bike's dumb. <laughs> And then like and then I and then I ride it and it's like oh man this bike is stupid and it's awesome <laughs> like it's it, full circle I, backwards like, yeah like I I kind of like it's so little and it shakes so much but then you ride it and it's so much fun it's like it puts a smile yeah. on your face you know yeah so it, I, it looks it looks cool and then you're just shifting 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 yeah that's a heavy yeah so um but yeah maybe one of these days if we get laurel and a new bike i'll uh keep that and i'll put rear sets on it and super bike bars oh that'd be cool yeah, or clubmans, get some clubmans or clip-ons. Ah, uh, that's a little too low, and the, I don't think the tank would support that. But just like real low super bike bars. It's interesting. I just got a phone call from somebody I hadn't heard from a long time, um, a friend from the past who has got all these bikes he's trying to get rid of. One of which is a CB 500T, and I was like, oh, I'm tempted. He's got like a GS 550. If anybody's interested, reach out. GS 550 that's in pretty good shape. He's got a GS 750 that's in. Eh, it's coming together. But he's got the CB 500T, and I, I'm just, oh man. Yeah, you know, my problem was. He was asking me if I was interested in buying, and I can't buy unless I sell the Hawk, which I really, I'd kind of like to do. I would love any motorcycle that I could get into a little bit of trouble on that's easier to deal with than the Cursed Hawk. But then again, this winter, by the end of this winter, that Hawk is either going to be coming out better or worse. Because I'm in, I'm in I don't care mode. So like you're I'm gonna, about- you're gonna, basically, you're just saying that you're going to dick with it this winter. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm gonna okay. I've got I've got a Y pipe to eliminate the catalytic converter underneath. I'm gonna go direct to that. I've got that extra exhaust. I'm gonna learn how to pack an exhaust, get that installed. I'm gonna cut anything off of that bike that makes it look complicated. The carburetors. Yeah, man. I don't think they're necessary. You can just pour gas directly in via funnel. Well, we learned anything from the last time I worked on the Bugle. It helps if the carburetors are attached to the engine. <laughs> so, Facebook, huh? Think it's gonna be pretty big. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still, still, still got my MySpace. Um, the uh, <laughs> so I went to a bike night here at the Madison Cycle Gear Store. Yep. And I won that uh, SMH10R. Yeah, which I have one, but now I have another one. The uh, it was cool because too, like I got like you got like one raffle ticket for it showing up, you know, and then you could buy more raffle tickets to go in the pot if you wanted, and I I didn't, and I just put the one raffle ticket in that I got. And there were guys who bought, you know, like rolls. And, <laughs> and the first, first drawing, uh, there you go. Wow, I, never, I never win anything. This is great. That's cool. Now I have another one to sit in a box until Laurel's com breaks or mine breaks. Nice. Yeah. So she's got the SMH5 right now, right? Yeah. But hers is still working fine. She hasn't even had battery problems with it. Like we haven't had to swap battery or anything on it. Nice. So... I guess as long as that's working right. Still the third most popular article on the site right now. The first most popular article for whatever reason is trailers. <laughs> Speaking of which, I do have a we we did get listener questions. Let's check those out. Why? 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 So scrolling down here. I can both read it and answer it real quick. Day Ray, if that's his real name, doesn't matter. Day Ray writes in to say. Hey guys, just found your awesome, 
That's right. Article, and greatly appreciate the time it took to post this great content. I'm currently looking to replace my Hawk GT headlight. How about you replace your Hawk GT? I've got one that might be for sale. When I went to Super Bright LEDs, it is a great bike. I should probably, yeah, whatever. They suggested a newer model than the LED headlight you showcase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just wondering if you think it will work with the same installation technique you outlined. And the light he's looking at, oh, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like a cycloptic one on top of the other inside of a seven-inch round. Yeah, that's the new newer one. Yeah, but, whatever. Is that the one, though, that's actually got the little tabs on it for a regular install? I, I think so. And yeah, someone's easier. So, it goes in, like, your regular light bucket, I think. Yeah, short answer is yes. I believe it'll work based on your wiring options provided, but uh, I've long since discovered that there's a much better looking LED headlamp setup that performs better to boot. Basically, the headlight for both the Honda's 919 and 599 are cross compatible with the Hawk GT, uh, allowing for installation of an aftermarket H4 LED bulb. Uh, the H4 that we link to, and I'll probably link this on the podcast page, it's significantly more lumen. It has significantly more luminosity. I'm totally not reading this than any independently plugged, non housed model. You can see the eyes of vermin that haven't been born yet thousands of years into the future. The The flood effect is slightly lacking, but for the most part, it does a job and then some. Yeah, seriously, man, these LED bulbs, what I don't see is um, ambient light projected in front of you, but anything that is even remotely reflective will burn out your retinas. And it's it, it just every, you can see, you can see Chicago three days from now, just Every time I'm behind a car, I'll light up the brights, and you'll see every every sign that's up ahead that they they couldn't pick up with their regular bulbs. But you don't see like the uh, there's a certain you know roll of the dice factor with potholes because you know what I mean. Yeah, I find like the temperature on those LED lights. Yeah, it doesn't illuminate the road in the same way. Mm -mm. Uh, but anything that's in the road gets lit up really well and it's kind of an odd sensation yeah. until you get used to it yeah it's a worthwhile trade-off but yeah your bob will work i just suggest you go with the honda 599 or 919 option instead because the h4 version that i'll be linking in this is it's just better and it's it's uh more dot friendly yeah so that's like get uh the newer honda seven inch um you know cup and lens and it, it has a better lensing than um but that was what uh, Terry did with his Triumph. He has a last-gen uh, T100 Bonneville, yeah. the seven-inch round headlight, and he swapped out the Triumph headlight for the Honda headlight because it, it lenses better. Nice. So he's Franken-biking. Yeah. Well. Nice. Uh, so I saw here that I remember when this happened, too. I had the option of getting a new bike recently. I had the option of making the down payment, picking up the uh, the loan, and quickly paying off a new bike. Um, I was going to test right. Okay, the F800 GT, the GSXS, the MV Augusta, the STR765, the new one, even the VFR. And that this was when I wrote these notes to like feed for content for the podcast, right? This is when I first wrote this stuff. And then since then, we've now got the H, the, it's the Kawasaki H2 Super, Super Tour. Yeah, I saw that stupid. That's ridiculous, man. It it looks great. Yeah, it's a lot or of unnecessary power. Yeah, it's, there's no there's no reason to have that much power on two wheels. There's just no reason. At some point, the front tire is going to lift off the ground. It's always going to do that once you reach a certain threshold. Yeah, 
the uh, yeah, there's definitely a limit to how much power you can put down at any given point on a on a bike. And you know, most modern bikes that are leader class or approaching leader class are are well over that limit. Um, um, oh, I was just saying, I uh, I test rode um buddy's uh, FC. He got a 2017 FZ09. Um, and yeah, that did the first wheelie was not intentional. <laughs> that was with like the trash control on and like in the the middle power mode like not even in like the hot race mode mapping um, injected and it's 989 cc's something like that 900 and change 930 or something mm-hmm. the triple and it was just like you just touch the throttle in first gear and the front <laughs> end just pops right up I'm, I'm so used to my little my my kind of portly you know 670 cc honda that i could just crack the throttle wide open whenever i want and uh on this thing no it's like oh i gotta be and it's got a quick shifter on it right up and so I, when i got on the highway I, I opened it up a bit and ease the throttle wide um and this <laughs> and then i like you know i hit third gear and had to stop because i was going to lose my license it just doesn't run out of power yeah so yeah once i hit like nine because this was at, at night too on a stranger's bike <laughs> um so it was like once i hit 90 in third gear i was like no. Well, that's well that's those enough. those were those were two of the options I was or that's one of the options I was processing in addition to the ones the the G the Evander GT, the Jixis, the Augusta, the 765 and the VFR. Now there's like the the Kawasaki H2 Super Tour. There's the Super Duke GT and there's the Modus. And I immediately wrote off the Modus because I read cuz it's 30 it, grand. Well, number 1, it's 30 grand like what we've done at Modus is we've taken solid but dated mechanical technology and we've made it here in the United States so America so expensive. And that doesn't I, I'm not gonna subscribe to that. I do subscribe to their their theory about simplicity for the sake of uh easy maintenance. Yeah. It's I mean, it's a simple bike. That is the I mean it's, yeah, that's the whatever they call it, the baby block or the mini block. It's it's a sixteen fifty. Yeah, it's basically a um it's half of a Chevy big block, like it's a three fifty shrunk down with four cylinders missing. Yeah, and so Eric Eric Shropshire wrote the article. He did a test ride on it for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, incredible article. I read through it and thought to myself, "Well, that settles that." No, because mm-hmm. it's it's a roadster. It's you know it could get people into a lot of trouble if you don't know your stuff, or even if you do know your stuff and yeah. you just decide one day to know a little bit more and you fail. I don't yeah, want to be ton, that guy. Tons of power um, all the but, time, but premium components. But yeah, you do pay for that sort of boutique, small company price. Yeah. And so I think to myself, okay, that one's out of the picture. That's Super Duker H2. It showed him to the wife. She's like, ooh, 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 right? And then it came down to the fact I ended up on the Modus. I ended up thinking that, well, that's the direction it would go. But the truth is, I'm looking at the punchline to all this. In the end, man, I just want the Bandit. Um, I just, I want to take the Bandit as far as I can. I want that bike to go to the 100K mark. There are people that have gone further than 100,000 miles on a bike. But I got that bike in 2013 with 3,200 miles on it. And I just, I'm just shy of 30,000 miles this year. It's, the bike owes me nothing I've said it before. With thirty thousand not on the odometer. You're close to fifty, right? But thirty thousand miles riding this year. Thirty thousand miles riding this year, almost. I'm I'm coming up on sixty thousand miles on that bike. I bought it with thirty two hundred miles on it. Three thousand two hundred miles in twenty thirteen. I I want uh, that bike deserves my attention. It's not hard to work on. I can solve my own problems. Well, you you you're familiar with it. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's not hard to work on. Fair enough. I'm I've heard you bitch with... about it enough. 
Yeah. <laughs> but you know the yeah. idiosyncrasies now, and then and that's one of the things. That's like so when I was when I was wiring up we just were talking about working on the the NC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I told you this when I was wiring up uh, that relay to put the the totally necessary auxiliary light on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's totally necessary and totally works. Um, <laughs> Wait, like, go ahead. You're gonna have to come back to that one. Oh, um, I put up like a fifteen dollar Amazon like auxiliary light on the crash bar. Like it's it's kind of bright. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> the, um, but yeah, so to get like the front, like, you know, where, like the beak plastic is like that very front plastic section on that to get that off, you take off the seat and then you take off the rearmost plastic section and then you have to work your way forward. Like all the plastic layers on top of itself, starting with the front. So when you're putting it together, the front goes on first and the back goes on last. Oh man. But when you got to take it apart. The back comes up first. You have to go all the way out. Uh, see, it's that modern bike territory where they're saying like, okay, here's the part. We could do this simple, but watch this. You got to take it to the dealership. They want people going to the dealership to get the, the work done. Yeah, well, it's, and it's built, well, I mean, it's, it, it's, you know, they, it's all plastic and, you know, they designed it to be assembled on an assembly line. Uh-huh. Like it goes together in a, in a, in a nice order. But yeah. Like when you need to get to part number one, Mm-mm. you got to start with part number 50 because that's the way it went in and that's the way it comes out. There's that's no... got to stop, man. That's, <laughs> that's got to stop. And cars, I mean, cars are like that now too. Like, oh, you want to get to this thing under the dashboard? Okay. You got to take apart the entire dashboard. Like there's no, there's no access points for, um, you know, maintenance pieces. Like it's, it's assembled in a very specific tight packaging, but it only it only comes apart the way it went together. You can't get in into a part that's in the middle without working your way down to it. See, and, and I'm not trying to reminisce or nothing, but that's what's taking away from I'm not I'm not a parent, I'm not a father, but the whole like idea of being in your garage with people and relating to them and and having a motorcycle culture for the wrencher suffers because they went and built these bikes in a strangely disconnected linear fashion that makes everything hard to get to. I I had difficult. Okay. I don't even remember what the difficulty was, but I had to remove Margaret's my, I had to remove my wife's mud guard because the luggage system was installed in the wrong spot. It wasn't, it should have been above something and it was put below. So the mud guard hit this, this cross section and I was like, all right, well, they're going to get me a new mudguard then. And they did, and that's cool. But to get the thing off, to get a mudguard off the bike, it is it is a piece that should require no more than two large or maybe four small bolts, easy to access. Not, it just, it was impossible. You had to remove things that weren't even near the back of the bike. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, no, that's like... um uh it just reminds me of uh, a couple of years ago. I had a you know a PSP, the second generation PSP, little handheld game thing. Yeah, that took the, the the little discs, the little small discs, the UMD. Anyway, so it was a, it was a Sony, the Sony PSP two thousand, um, and it, it has little optical discs, little mini disc UMDs that go in and like spin, you know, in a disc drive. And yeah, plastic like, shell and spinning. Di- yeah, and it's yeah. right on the back, and you pop it in, and you close the thing, and it reads the disc. Well, my disc drive went bad on it, and I looked, I was like, oh, you can buy a disc drive online for like 30, 40 bucks. And it's like, it's right on the back of the item. So like you have this little thin brick with buttons and a screen on the front, and a little door on the back that you put the disc in, right? Sure. To change the disc drive, you have to go in from the front. Oh. <laughs> 
So you 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 take the case apart, pull off the case, pull off the button controllers, pull off the screen, pull out the whole CPU board, and then you can get to the disc that's on the back. But you can't just you can't just you can't just pull it from the back. You have to go in through the front and unsandwich everything and then replace it. And that's what I mean. I can hear customer support saying, oh, you want to do something very complicated. Why would you want to do that? You should probably just spend the extra scratch and get a brand new unit since your warranties. You know, that that's the kind of mentality that, I mean, the there's something is lost in the mix here with manufacturing and distribution where what we receive doesn't lend itself well to the spirituality that goes into knowing your bike it ends up being ride your bike be be a trained bear and ride your circus bike and take it to the dealership so we can fix it for you and by the way pay us i don't know when that started i don't like it you know for example why does my half fairing require that I remove? Uh, and this is on the Bandit, which I know that bike in and out. But one, two, three, four. Uh, okay, wait, wait, wait. Before I take off the fairing, I have to take off the mirrors. Why is that the case? Why is it just not a chunk of secured plastic with four industrial massive bolts? I do see in the motion of the bike at this point that as the bike is moving forward, parts are sealing parts into place, are sealing parts into place. Like the, the motion of the bike actually secures, uh, it, it's thought out in terms of safety. You know, you can even see where bolts can't get past the exhaust because if one were to come loose, the exhaust, well, it would take some damage, but it would stop it. Okay, that's cool. It's kind of a safety factor, but in the end, just give me the big old secure bolt, you know, give me the lock washer, give me the sealer, give me the freaking Loctite. Don't deal with this intricacy. Just give us a solid, good looking bike that isn't using, what does what Buell use? Like, give me an engine that's smooth. Yeah. Sorry. The, um, that's like the, uh, on the NC to get to the, the air, when I was talking about get taking, like you have to take the back plastics, take the front plastics off. You have to do all of that to change the air filter. See, yeah, and it was Tim Clark. Tim Clark was one. Of the, okay, <laughs> on any KTM bike, if you want to replace the air filter, first remove everything that isn't the air filter. Yeah, I love that gag. It's it's hilarious to me. Yeah, no, that's the way. Um, you know, that's the the modern world, I guess. I mean, there are bikes out there that aren't like that, but not sport bikes. Dang it! And there should be. There should be. Maybe Modus the, is the, the answer. The Thruxton. The Thruxton. Okay. Well, and, uh, I'm not it. See, I'm back. I'm back to the Modus. But could they just? Maybe lower the CCs a little bit. Just br- just bring it down. <laughs> yeah, well, too, Tame. like, Modus makes most of their money just selling that engine, and they put it in, like, dune buggies and shit. Like, that engine moves cars around, no problem. <laughs> and on that note, what do you want to talk about? Tires. I'm trying to decide tires. Like, I probably kind of want to do PR4s. Part of me kind of wants to keep, like, sort of adventure, pseudo-light knobbies going. Do the TKC70s or the Avon Trail Riders, which are really, like, a 90-10 tire, but they look pretty cool. Uh, are they, how long do they last? Are they, pre- are they known to have, uh, they known to last for a while? I don't know. I mean, I've se- I, I seem to be going through tires rather quickly on this bike. So you're right. Well, you got low-end torque, right? Yeah, low and torque, and I ride the shit out of it. I mean, I, I got, I, I ride it hard. It's, you know, I mean, I, I could have gotten a faster bike, but it's like, I like that I can go wide open throttle and, and too, like I'll do chip seal roads and gravel roads and slide around the back end. And <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not um, gentle on the rear tire by any means. It is a very Travis Burleson bike. Yeah, it's very practical. And I don't know, it's, I like, I like that torque. I think I'm, I'm a, twin torque low-end torque bike 
guy. Like, I don't think I'll go back to an inline four. There's another friend of ours, Mutual, that says that the inline four has no soul, and I call bullshit on that. Um, Yeah, it's just got a different kind of soul. That's what I'm saying. It's got soul at 10,000 RPM. You know, if you're going to go the PR4 route, you could consider the twos. They'd probably do good in the dirt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on the rear end, who cares? Who cares how much it slides around? It's not like I'm, I'm not, it's not like I'm like trail riding it. I'm just on gravel roads. Yeah. You so, know, the, you know, the fours are good. You know how good they are. Yeah. They um, just started making those for the Hawk too. So I might go that route as well. Oh, in the, in the right size. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm just really thinking about wet, wet grip, but the Avons might, might be okay. I like kind of like the way they look, but yeah, cause the Shinko's just, man. Well, and two, you've been, the roads around my house are so slick when they're wet. Um, and so it's like, it, it makes me like, you lose that confidence. And then that once your confidence is gone, lower, just lower your pressure, lower your pressure yeah, down I, to like 30, I do, 30. But it still doesn't. I mean, there's, they're $80 tires for a reason. Yeah, they work good in the dry and they work good on like light off road, but they're they're not very good in the wet. So you want the fours? Yeah, but uh, or like I said, maybe I'm I'm trying to see if I can get some solid anecdotal reports on the TKC seventies and see because uh, Continental does a um like a binary compound kind of thing too, um which isn't the same as uh, the Michelin. Michelin actually uses two compounds, and what Continental does is they cure the center of the tire different than they cure the edges of the tire. So it falsifies a third compound of sorts? Yeah, so it, it kind of makes it like a different compound in the center, a harder compound in the center, and a softer compound on the edges. But it all starts out as the same rubber. They just cure it different. So you get that. So into what you get is a, a finer, uh, like a gradient transition as you roll the tire over. Yeah. As opposed to some some people, I guess, I can't can, can feel when you change materials on like a dual compound tire, like when you roll into the soft material. I, I can't feel that, but the transition, I, I wouldn't yeah. imagine that even be possible. If it, if you decide to chop a turn, there's, I mean, so chop it, you know, it's not going to change anything. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but that's what, that's their system. So maybe, maybe it'll be good. Um, and the, the 70 has a, um, the, the middle stripe of it is like a solid stripe. So you get a little bit more longevity out of it. Oh, so they do, so they do a center line. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, on that note, that's our episode for this round. Tune in next time for more discussion on all things specific to sport touring or universal to motorcycling as a whole. For theridingobsession.com, I'm Robin Dean. I'm Travis Burleson. Safe travels, everyone.